Proverbs chapter 10, let's begin in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a, a, a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fail, or fall rather. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. Did I read that twice? No, it's to repeating. See? Missed that. <laughs> Got to do IBS before you teach. Um, Inductive Bible study. Verse 11. The mouth of the wicked is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the, of the wicked to sin. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the middle of words, sin is not lacking. In the multitude of words, rather, sin is, of sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. To do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Chapter 11. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then pride comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way all, all, um, aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught up, caught by their lust. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, 
and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite, with his mouth, destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. A merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who speaks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. Let's pray together. So much for you to work with, Lord, in our hearts. We just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would make application of these verses, God. Help us to become more mature, better disciples as a result, Lord. We pray, Father, that your spirit would teach us. And we pray, Lord, that you would accomplish every purpose that you have for these verses in our lives. In Jesus' name, we commit it to you. Amen. Please be seated. Up to this point, we've had long sections as we've gone through these different chapters in the book of Proverbs. And we've had all these long discourses about you know, wisdom speaking and, and using the female personal pronoun she to describe because he's contrasting wisdom with the adulterous woman and, and where all of that leads. And both are unexpected, both the woman of wisdom and the woman that's the adulterous woman. They both give things that and offer things and provide things that are unexpected. The adulterous woman, destruction, the, the, the woman of wisdom, so to speak, just long life, blessing, God's favor, all these things. But now as we get to these two chapters, there's a bunch, we start seeing a collection of sayings. 
we'll see like 375 of them between chapter 10 and chapter 22, right around the first 16 verses there. And these sayings, and some of them are contrastive. They contrast one another. Some of them are, they just kind of show a, a distinction or add to it. They're called constructive Proverbs where they further elaborate. One line starts it and then it further elaborates even more and just those kind of both sections of the one verse kind of make the overall point. And, but most of them, are, they contrast one another. And so we'll see a lot of this in chapter 10 where these choices, it's all about chapter 10 and chapter 11 are about choices. And a lot of what Proverbs is about is about choices that we have. And it's talking about the, the choices that we can make related to being righteous and the choices that we can make being, being foolish. And he says that the the effects of those things reciprocate on ourselves. In other words, the choices that we make that are wise and that are righteous, we benefit from. And then the choices that we make that are evil or that the wicked make come upon themselves as well. They reciprocate back to to those people. Even though they don't believe it's going to happen, it happens. And so we see all these choices that we can make and all this wisdom and all that. We have a lot of ground to cover, so I want to get right to it in chapter uh, 10 verse 1 we start the Proverbs of Solomon a wise son makes a glad father but a foolish son is the grief of his mother and it's a good reminder it's a general principle that our choices related to being wise or righteous or, or being foolish don't just affect us they affect others now in this case it's talking about effects affecting our parents and, and so we have to recognize as parents here, most of us are parents or we're, maybe we'll be parents or, uh, or we're grandparents or whatever the situation is, is that we have to train our children to make right decisions. It's our responsibility to lead that way, to be an example and all of that, so that our children are making wise decisions and they're not foolish. And we can pray for our kids if they're already making foolish decisions. We can pray for them. We want to encourage you that those decisions are 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 not beyond the reach of prayer, that we can be prayerful and those prayers make a difference. Verse 2, treasures of, of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. So we it, it, again, the mirage is that dishonest gain is actually worth it, but it's not worth it. it, it, it those things they fade away they they end up not paying off the way that we think they're going to pay off and all of those things and then most importantly when our righteousness our righteousness is what delivers from death because death doesn't have a hold on the believer we don't have this we have this enemy that called death has been defeated so he the death won't have the final say jesus will have the final say in our lives as believers and we will just be transferred from this life to the next The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, and the word famish means to fade away in Hebrew, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. So righteousness, as someone has said, is the best security system we could possibly have for for our lives and, and, and for the things that are the most important things to us. Because the Lord is going to protect us. That righteousness, that holiness, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to fade away, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He puts it away from him. Because the wicked's plans, will they, those plans will not stand in eternity. They will not be fulfilled. They will pass away. Verse 4, he who has a slack hand 
becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And so the word slack there means lazy. We've already seen this up to this point where he's talking about laziness. And he's going to get into it a little bit more as we go through these verses. And, he, and the whole agrarian society, a farming society and all of that, they knew about harvest. They knew the times to work. They knew the times to be up. They knew the times to harvest. They knew the appropriate times to plant and to water and all of that. We see that through these proverbs here all the way through, even the ones that we've seen up to this point. And so laziness never pays off. Never pays off. And in this culture, it seems like, it, man, it's just a hard work ethic seems to be getting harder and harder to find. And so many people, I would say, under the age of 30, there's a lot of people under the age of 30 that haven't learned the lesson of hard work yet. I mean, people are delaying responsibility and they're being allowed and, and enabled to postpone very important life choices and things because they don't want to they don't want to take the risk or they don't want to go out and work hard they don't want to be you know seeing what they're supposed to do and be self-sufficient self-responsible they're not wanting to do any of that and they're being enabled to just continue to be a child it's just rampant in our culture and so we that can sneak into our homes we have to teach our children to not be lazy teach our grandkids to not be lazy to remind them that a diligent hand makes rich Verse 5, he who gathers in summer, as we're talking about an agrarian society with farming and all of that, he who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. One of the things that's really hard for a parent to handle is a child or a teenager or a preteen or whatever that just will not stop sleeping. <laughs> just this like constant sleep, 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 sleeping in, and, and there's always this battle. But it's not just that. It's learning how to be responsible, to taking ownership of things, to be able to be on time, to be able to come in and give it a hard day's work. To teach children to work is, is, is work. <laughs> I had to learn the hard way. No one ever taught me any of these things. I had to learn the hard way. So when I became a Christian, I had... God gave me a very easy job. I just had to show up, basically. That's all I had to do. And he just said, be faithful. But I didn't know how to work. I would work 10 hours a week when I was in high school at a shoe store. And I was exhausted. <laughs> how can they expect me to do this? This is way more of my time than I want to give up. You know, I had a rude awakening coming. So there's, there's a lot of wisdom related to discipling our, our kids. But, there, but the thing is that it reflects... It causes shame. It does. Look at the end of verse 5. It causes shame. When you have children that don't do the right thing, that know better, it causes shame. And so we want to make sure that we're leading our kids the right way. We don't want them to bring us shame later in that sense. We want them to, to flourish. Verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. You didn't know you had blessings on your head, did you? You do. You have blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Now, 13 times in this chapter, the mouth is spoken of. I wonder why. That's for another church. They deal with problems with the tongue, not us. We, we can't relate to this, right? No, that's not true at all. But we have to recognize that the mouth and the tongue is so very important to have tamed by the Holy Spirit. And James talks about how difficult that is to tame our tongue. Because it's just so appropriate, the thing that we want to say. It's perfect. It fits the situation. And it's true. 
The thing that we want to say, it's true. Just because it's true doesn't mean we're supposed to say it. We say that to children, but we need to hear it. Because sometimes we think, wow, I'm justified because it's right and it's accurate. It's very hard, hard to tame our tongue. So blessings are on the head of the righteous. We are the righteous, not because of our own righteousness, but because Christ's righteousness has been put to our account by his grace and so forth. And, and so the wicked, one of the characteristics of some of the people that are expressed in this world as wicked are violent. They're, 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 that's, that's, that's what they're about. And we see that more and more, it seems like, in our culture. At least it's more prolific in what's exposed to us on, in the media of how violent things are. It seems like people just have short fuses, and, and that's not for us to, to participate in. Verse 7, the memory of the righteous is blessed. Think of someone that's passed away that's, that was righteous. Just, it's a blessing to us to think. I can think of so many people that have passed away that I've known that have been righteous. And it, it's true. It's, it's, it's a beautiful memory to, to enjoy. And people, they're going to remember us. If the Lord tarries and doesn't come back, and we're, they're going to remember us as righteous. And that's what we want. Not for our own sake, but because it all points to the Lord and it glorifies him and it magnifies him. It brings him glory but the name of the wicked will rot well don't beat around the bush solomon <laughs> memory of the wicked will rot what when things rot it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and you don't even want to be around it you don't want to think about it you don't want to look at it that's what he's saying we have to see the reality of how god sees things because people in this world that are wicked are not esteemed by the world as wicked they're esteemed as these great people with great fortunes or fame or whatever, and they're respected in this world, but God sees them as wicked. And we can't buy into the mirage or the illusion that they are truly not what God says they are. If their life represents wickedness as far as how God defines wickedness in his word, not churches, not religious movements, not denominations, but what his word says, they're wicked. And, and we can say that with confidence and not be ashamed. And we can learn from their mistakes. We don't want to go down that path. How many baby dedications have you seen? Little baby Jezebel. Little baby Ahab. Little baby Adolf. Little baby Judas. No, you don't see that. Wickedness, the memory of wicked people rots. It gets worse and worse and worse. And so it's it just, I love the clarity of God's word, don't you? Verse 8 The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. So a prating, word prating means always talking. And I know none of us can relate to this. This is like we have to try really hard to recognize what it looks like to have a person that's always talking. Um, I mean, it's true. We deal with this. We're, we, we have to focus on the fact that. Always, someone that's always talking and, you know, in our own, being wise in our own opinion and dispensing what we believe is wisdom in our flesh and all of this and all these things. Well, I think this and I think that. And, you know, we listen to these things sometimes as believers and we're told in Scripture to not um, receive the counsel of the ungodly. But we'll go, go and we won't, we'll, we won't go to the Bible necessarily. We won't go to a leader in the church we'll, or another mature believer, but, but we'll go to Oprah. <laughs> and we'll go to Oprah for advice. 
and everything. And there's so many things, not that she can't give good advice on some things at some level, but we're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about eternal things. So the, the, the person that is always talking about their own wisdom and all this, um, that fool will fall. He says that. But the wise in heart will receive commands. We've talked about this related to receiving wisdom for weeks now. We've been talking about having the capacity to be able to assimilate and to receive and apprehend wisdom. To be able to receive understanding, to receive commands. It's really hard to receive wisdom when we're talking. You ever notice that? I think there's something in the Bible that says be slow to speak and quick to listen. And a part of that is because it's really hard to learn and to receive when we're talking, when we're always dispensing our opinion instead of receiving wise opinion from people. So James chapter 1, verse 19. So then, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. God doesn't want us to have anything in the way of receiving commands or instructions or wisdom or any of those things. Now look at our character as mentioned in verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. This is interesting because sometimes we wonder, what's the right thing to do? And oftentimes when we ask if something's wrong, we usually already know it's wrong. And we just have to ask. And then we need to train our kids, our grandkids, to ask the question, what's the right thing to do here? Usually we know what the right thing to do is. We just don't want to do it. (laughs) And we need to ask, you know, how would I want to be treated? You know, so many things as a pastor that help me to know what to do when I don't have a verse, when I don't have anything, any experience in it or whatever. I'm not, what do I do? I just ask myself, how would I want to be treated? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And it, it, it helps every time. So we have to just walk with integrity. You know, spiritual abuse happens when people, leaders, don't lead with integrity. And none, no leader is perfect. But usually people are not hurt by a theology book that someone wrote. They're hurt by a lack of character that happens. And that's why when we look at the qualifications for an overseer in Timothy and Titus, they're all character-based except one, which is a gift of teaching. There's no education requirement in there. It doesn't say seminary. It doesn't say Bible college. It doesn't say anything. Of course we need to know what we're supposed to teach and we're supposed to have all of that in place, just like every believer But what causes damage is character, a lack of character. That's why we need to surround ourselves with godly men and women that will tell us the truth. He's going to get to that in in a moment. Notice verse 11, he says, the mouth, again. Oh, I didn't talk to verse uh, 10 here. He "He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. He mentions that again. What is this winking? He's against winking, you know? He doesn't want us to wink. I mean, what's that? It's when you're in a situation with another person and you're both going to do something bad with another person or against another person and you're kind of given that cue like, yeah, that's right. That's what we're going to go with. This is the plan that we're going to do. This is what we're going to execute right now to hurt this person or to take advantage of them. And, and it's all wink, wink, nod, nod. You've heard that phrase before. It's a kind of the same type of thing for us to, you know, to not do that. He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but... A, a prating fool will fall. So very important for us to be not winking in that way, not devising these evil evil plans. Now, verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Wow, is a well of life? That's a lot. That's to say, that's saying a lot about the potential of our mouths. 
that our mouths are a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. It matters what we say. It matters how we communicate. It matters what we say to people, how we impart life to them, how we encourage them, how we say the right thing at the right moment at a strategic time in someone's life and, and speak God's word to them and speak encouragement and all of that. Those things are just priceless, and God sees every bit of it. Verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, then strife means contentions. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Now, the New Testament says love covers a multitude of sins. So if you've read that in the New Testament, it also says it in the, New, in the Old Testament related to, um, you know, because this whole idea is, is cover was a word for atonement in the Old Testament. They would cover our sins. Those sacrifices that the priests would make and all that, they'd cover our sin. In the New Testament, the word atonement means to take away. So when he's talking about covering, he's talking about being adequately supplied. So when we, when we do those things and we extend grace, he's going to talk about grace with a woman that extends grace in a moment. But when we, we extend grace and we love people unconditionally, we can't have conditions on unconditional love. Is that not a contradiction? We can't put conditions on it. So he says, hatred stirs up strife. When you see strife, when you see people not getting along, when you see disunity, whether it's in the church or anywhere else, hatred is the motivation. We see he reveals that here. But love covers all sins. Notice the word all. Did you see that in verse 12? Not some sins. Sometimes we think there are certain sins that are out of reach, out of reach of the capacity of love to, to, to cover and to, to show that love and to, to help. And it's not true. Every sin love covers. It doesn't mean that we wink at sin. Speaking of winking, it doesn't mean that we don't say things are wrong. I'm not talking about that. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. We're supposed to exhort one another daily, especially as we see the day approaching. What this is talking about is it's talking about being a person that is gracious and speaking the truth. And you can say the hardest things for people to hear. You can say some very difficult things to people when you're doing it in the right way. You can confront people. There, there's a way to confront people where they are so consumed by the love that we're extending that they, they, they don't even see it as really being confronting. And that's, that's a, something that has developed over time. It's not something that just happens usually. So that love extends forgiveness. That love overlooks things, bears all things, puts up with all things, is gracious. That's what he wants for our lives. Verse 13, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. So wisdom is found on the lips of those who have understanding, to have this wisdom that he's been speaking about. We've seen it over and over again through the Proverbs here. And then there is going to be punishment for those that um, don't use that wisdom. They're going to receive the effects of that. There's going to be times where they suffer as a a result. Are we beating people with rods all over the place? No, we're we're not doing that. But there is consequences in society, because this is probably talking more of a societal discipline, then there's, there's ways that we can suffer in society if, we're, if we don't use the wisdom that God's provided. 
Verse 14, wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages of the wicked to sin. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. So he's getting into economics here. He's getting into the poor. He's getting into wealth. He's getting into all these things. He's talking about wisdom and and using our words well to, to promote things that are appropriate and to be able to be wise and to be righteous in our dealings and our business dealings and all of that. All of that's going to bring wealth. All those things are going to bring prosperity. But the fool is the one that doesn't appropriate God's wisdom and doesn't obey what God's word says, and destruction comes as a result of that. So he's giving some very practical things. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. It's not that we trust in riches. He's going to get to that in a moment. But it's, it's a, it is a strength in our lives when we have wealth. We have to use those things, his things, appropriately. But the mouth of the foolish is near, or the destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life and the wages of the wicked to sin. So we need to do the right thing, to work hard, to implement God's word, to live on these principles, to live in a way that pleases him and all of that. But he says there in verse 17, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. And he's talked about this. We've seen this, haven't we, over and over again in the book of Proverbs? Where they ref- the fool refuses to heed instruction refuses to act upon what he knows is right you can be super intelligent you could be a genius and still be a fool if you don't do the right thing so we have to keep instruction we have to we have to accept correction i was told as a new christian and i've told you this before to be fat to be faithful available and teachable it still sticks with me today 27 years later i'm still trying to be fat Still trying to be faithful, available. What did you think now? Come on now. Faithful, available, and teachable. We have to be teachable. That's one of the characteristics of a growing Christian is someone that's teachable. Can you be corrected? Can you be exhorted? Do you get angry when someone corrects you? We have, those are things that are searching for us. We have to think about. We have to pray about those things. Verse 18. Whoever hides hatred, hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Boy, this is getting close to home here. Slander. Can't slander somebody. But it's true. I know we can't slander someone. There are appropriate times where Matthew 18 needs to happen, where we're confronting someone who sinned against us. There's appropriate times and seasons for those types of things where we're confronting people and all of that but that is totally different than spread notice the word spread slander it's like cancer that goes through a group of people it can split a church in half so fast so we have to say am am i the person that you're telling me this am i the person that's part of the solution if not maybe you should talk to that person you know, and, and, and say, if we all did that, we, and we don't have a big slander, you know, a gossip problem here, but that's what we have to watch out for, is, is being able to spread these things, and, and it does more harm than we realize. 
And this is a convicting one. Verse 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. I think as I grow in the Lord and I continue to mature as a believer, the more I see and I think back of the people that were models for me and are models for me, role models, and, and I think I see more of their silence and how they speak less and less in certain situations when I'm speaking more. Um, my first instinct is to talk about it and you know get it out and everything, and they're just holding their tongue. How many people do you think hold their tongue related to what you're saying? Probably a lot more than you realize. I know that's probably true for me. They're holding their tongue. Can you imagine if people said to you everything that they thought when you said something? I'd never get through a teaching here. That was a dumb joke. I can't believe he brought up that illustration again. You know, whatever it is. It's just I'm so thankful we can't read minds. Sometimes when you're a kid, you want to be able to read a mind. Ooh, what would that be like, you know, to read someone's mind? And then you realize, man, I don't want to know what's inside people's minds because I know what's inside my mind. And I don't want to have read yours if, if I know how bad what's in mine is, you know, is, is bad. Oh, man, I'm really thankful for that. So in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Slow to speak, quick to listen, restrain your lips. It's so funny. I'm in environments where there are people that just unload on just profanity coming out of their mouth left and right. And then they're, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to melt. I'd rather not hear that, but I'm not going to melt. Um, and what I want to say, and I have said in the past in times where the Lord led me to, to talk about it or whatever, I'm like, you don't have a mouth problem. We don't have mouth problems. We don't have lip problems, really. We have heart problems. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it, it, we have to, the, 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 we're not, we can't control this thing by just physically controlling it or, you know, putting something in our mouths. There's people like, Chew on marbles. There's all kinds of things you will say to be able to keep from saying the wrong thing. It's, like, it's not going to work. You have to let Jesus change your heart. And when you let Jesus change your heart, then those things become less and less profound coming forth from your heart and, in, and through your mouth. And we're all growing in it. We never completely arrive. When we get our new bodies, we are not going to be saying anything that we shouldn't say. It's all going to be just how Jesus spoke when he was here on earth. Always building up, always telling the truth, always being appropriate with his words. It's beautiful. Notice verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. Choice silver. It means they enrich. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. It's beautiful. When the righteous is controlled, that when we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, when we have God's word on our tongue, when we have God's heart towards a situation and all of that, we're being led by the Spirit. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And God loves it. He notices. That's what I want us to see throughout all these verses. He sees our words. He sees our motivations. He sees our hearts. He sees everything. That's why so often in People don't want to go through verse by verse sometimes and, because it's so convicting. They'd rather have life success principles so they can add a little Jesus to their existing life and get success and all that. But God's looking for disciples to be made. He's looking for people to become more and more godly. He said, be holy for I am holy. He wants us to grow in that. And so if we have to be confronted by our sin and how we're falling short for us to repent and have him make those changes in, in and through our lives. And that's what glorifies the Lord. Verse 21. 
The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. I'm going to read a verse from Ephesians 4.29, which is convicting. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So this whole idea of speaking things that are only edifying, just try to go through, okay, trust me, I've failed at this so many times, but just try to have half a day where you just only say things that build people up. Just see if you can make it. It's very hard to make it through a whole half a day. Then try a whole day. And then you start to realize how much we say that doesn't build people up. And again, it doesn't matter what the standard is in churches or people that we respect. All that matters is what the standard is for God's word. Jesus didn't say things that didn't build people up. Yes, he called out the Pharisees, brood of vipers. Wait a minute, that's not building them up. Jesus was exposing them for who they are. And he was trying to reach out to them. He really was. You see that when he's weeping over the city. You see that in different places where he was still trying to reach those Pharisees. And he had to tell them the truth. He had a heart full of love for them. He was upset because they were stumbling people and preventing them from coming to the kingdom. Don't get me wrong. He had the harshest words to say about the Pharisees. But everything that he said built people up. It, 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 was, it was necessary for edification. Everything that he said. Verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So it, that's a good verse. I mean, it's not... People, some people think that it's sinful to be wealthy and having a lot of money is wrong. God blessed Abraham. God blessed Joseph um, later in life. <laughs> um, you know, he blessed a lot of people financially. So it's not wrong to be wealthy. It's just that we have to recognize that it's all his. And we have to, he wants a channel or a, or a, a vessel through whom he can direct his funds. And all of his funds are his funds. Everything that we have. So I'm not saying it's God's will for every single person in this earth to be wealthy. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that he he blesses us. And part of that is monetary blessings. He he does bless us. But we have to be good stewards and good managers of that. Verse 23. To do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. So to a fool... To do evil is like a sport. Man, I think of before, when I was a kid, oh my, some of you know these stories. Putting, making man, making dummies and putting bags of uh, ketchup in their chest and hiding them behind parked cars and throwing them in front of cars that were driving by and people were thinking they're hitting people, you know, and and then like, oh, it's horrible. I mean, we put fishing wire across the, the, the road and Cars that take cans down the road, you know, when they catch on the windshield. And we did all kinds of stuff. It just, it's just foolishness. They just, you think that these things, to do evil is like a sport. And, you know, I, it, there's more, way more serious things than those things, obviously, being done every day that are wicked and evil and all those things. But, of course, it makes, reminds me of, you know, my foolishness back in the day. But what people do for sport today is horrific. And, and so the man with understanding, he has wisdom the fear i can't believe i confessed that there but anyway verse 24 the fear of the wicked will come upon him and the desire of the righteous will be granted god says he'll give us the desires of our heart but as we seek him 
And as we trust him and we bring our lives in surrender to him every single day. No, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And so as you become and I become more submitted to him as disciples, then he allows those dreams to be shaped by him. And he fulfills those things. And a lot of times the things we've had for a long time, the desires of our heart, he put them there in the very beginning. And so we just have to wait. But it's all subject to God working it all out and fulfilling it. If he doesn't fulfill it, then it wasn't the desire that, we, we, that he put in our hearts to have. And so um, he says that there. The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. You know, Jesus said, ask anything according to my name, and I will give it to you. And we think that, well, there's got to be some catch to that, because I've asked for, you know, a Mercedes about 40 times, and it hasn't happened yet. But again, you have to, there's a, a Bible interpretation scripture, or uh, not scripture, Bible interpretation principle, principle that says, Scripture needs to interpret Scripture. So when, when John, the apostle inspired by the Spirit, said, if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have that which we ask of him. We have to recognize, and, and, and James talks about it, inspired by the Spirit. You ask amiss because you ask for your own sinful desires. And so, yes, he want, he's talking about a disciple. When, we, when a disciple of Jesus Christ asks those things that are in line with God's will. And a disciple knows what God's will is because he continues in his word. If we continue in his word, we're his disciples indeed. That's our theme verse for our church. Then we ask those things and he answers. Verse 25. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. So the righteous has this foundation. You, you and I are allowing the Lord to build in our lives. It's it's never going to come to an end. We think that this life is all, it, all of our ministries, all of the things that we're learning, all of our relationships, it's only going to go to the end of this life. And then, but it's not true. Those things are going to pass on. We're going to get rewards. We're going to see people that we know now. We're going to know how we know these things now. We're going to know. We're going to add it to our knowledge, but we're going to know the things that we know right now. So it, it's beautiful. And, and all of this is going to come together in this perfect timing. And then this is, a, this is an interesting one in verse 26. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. So many of you, maybe, maybe you brush your teeth with vinegar. I don't know. I don't think you do. But there's people take vinegar and ingest it or whatever. But, you know, the smoke to the eye, it's, it's an irritant. It's something that you don't like. It's not desirable. He's comparing that to when you send a lazy man to go help somebody work or to go contract with them and all of that, and he doesn't fulfill those things that he needs to, to do. And it's, it, it's horrific. So we need to be good workers. We need to be, uh, have a strong work ethic and all of that because we're, gonna, we're just going to be an irritant or we're, gonna be, we're not going to be a blessing to people that we're going to, um, to work for. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. And I know nutrition's important, <laughs> very important, but the fear of the Lord prolongs life. It, it truly does in a very profound way. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers 
of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will, will not inhabit will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. So we see just the, the righteousness is going to stand. The, the, the holy life is going to be blessed. The influence that we have is going to continue. And we're going to have the ways that God has established in us live beyond this life. The righteous will never be removed. Isn't that comforting to know? Verse 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. But the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Man, that is so good for our day and age. There's so much perversity is being put out there. And you know what? If you are taking all those things in, I'm talking about on your social media, whatever it is, you're taking in all of this stuff all the time, and you're not thinking it affects you, and I'm not thinking it affects me. It does. We need to have rid our lives of a lot of those things that don't build us up and are not good for us. Chapter 11. We'll go through it quickly. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. In Hebrew, it's literally the scales of deceit. That's what it says there in dishonest scales. God hates dishonesty. He hates when things are rigged. He hates you know, taking advantage of people. He sees all of it. He notices all of it. Verse 2, when pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. So we have humility that comes with us as the righteous, and, and we see wisdom come forth from our lives as we continue to submit to him. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but pride, it can't receive the things of the Lord. And, and we start to be stubborn and all those things, and it says that when pride comes, shame as a, as a result of that. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. See, that's the, that's the mirage or the illusion, is that this kind of living is not going to be destructive in my life, that I can do these things and get away with it. We've gone over this over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs, the fallacy that unrighteous living pays off. You know, there's a saying that I say in my house, that I've said in my house with my kids their whole lives, crime doesn't pay. You know, and they're, what does that mean, Dad? What is crime doesn't pay? I'm like, it doesn't pay off. It doesn't, it doesn't give what you think it's going to give. Well, what are we doing that's, that's you know, criminal here? We're not criminals, you know. Like, I know, but the things that you do that are wrong, they never pay off. I just want you to know that. You know, it's just a saying that we have in society. Crime doesn't, doesn't pay. Verse 4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct this, his way all right, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. When a wicked man dies, his expe- expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. So we can get discouraged and we watch the news, we see the righteous, or the unrighteous rather, and we see them just appearing to prosper and doing super well and all of this, and we just think, man, I am sacrificing, I'm doing the right thing, I'm all this, and it just doesn't seem right. Where's justice? You know, and David said the same thing until, he said, until I went to the house of the Lord and I saw their end, where it was all leading. 
So it's the same way. The unfaithful will be caught by their own lusts, but the righteousness of the upright will deliver us. When a wicked man dies, verse 7, his expectation will... Did I read this? Got lost here for a second. Let's go down to verse 9, because we can relate to hypocrites. (laughs) The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. The wicked witch is dead, the wicked witch is dead, the wicked witch is dead. Remember that? People rejoice when wicked people die. Their memory is, again, their name is just rots. But, the, but we have to recognize that the righteousness, when righteousness happens in God's people and things happen, it affects a whole city. It can exalt a whole city. I'm praying that for Manteca. I'm praying that for all the surrounding areas. I'm praying that for the church all around the world to do the right thing, to stand up and do what's right and, and actually affect cities. It's beautiful. Verse 12. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Can we have problems with our neighbors? Yeah. We can despise a neighbor. You know, just we're next to where we live. It can also refer to just people that we know. But we have to recognize that they are there for a purpose. We have to hold our peace. We have to recognize that it's, again, taming the tongue. Hold our peace. There's so many things that we can say about them, but we have to hold our peace. You know why? Because it glorifies the Lord. And also, they're holding their peace probably a lot about us. So we have to recognize that as well. Verse 13 isn't convicting at all. It says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Woo! That hurts. The talebearer, someone that says things that are about other people and all of that. He reveals secrets. We'd say, Oh, yeah, you know, this person doesn't really reveal them about me. Well, if they're revealing about someone else, they're probably revealing them about you as well. We have to be able to, to, to conceal a matter. If I didn't conceal matters, I would be toast as a leader. We have to be able to conceal the things that are appropriately um, for us to keep quiet. Verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people fail, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. What wisdom we have here. Multitude of counselors. Notice the word multitude. He doesn't say a few. At best, most of us probably have a few, but we have to have a multitude of counselors, a lot of counselors. Everybody sees things differently. Everybody has a different vantage point, and all of us have blinders, and there's things that we don't see related to our lives. We have to have godly people in our lives that are diverse, that have different strengths, different gifts, and all of that placed in our lives to be able to tell us the truth. I have pastors and friends and people that the leaders here don't even know exist, and they are asking me questions about the ministry in my life and what's going on and, and, and it's very needed we all need that we need counsel that's why we're here we're reading God's word we're learning God's word we're growing verse 15 he who is surety this is a person who like co-signs a loan um, for somebody for a stranger will suffer but one who hates being surety is secure man when I was young man before I knew the Lord I tried to get some of these co-signers there are some people out there that love not doing that. I learned that real quick. They were wise. They knew better than to 
sign alone for me because I was not trustworthy. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. And that has the idea of, in a negative sense, but ruthless men or tyrants retain riches. And so it's contrasting there. A gracious woman retains honor. This is talking about unrighteous gain for the, for the person that's the, the, the tyrant that, that gets this gain and he shouldn't have it by being ruthless. He's contrasting that with a gracious woman who retains honor. So women, and it's, just, it's for men too, but he's, for women, be gracious. Be a gracious woman, not just outwardly, but inwardly. In your heart, be gracious towards other people, other women, people that God has placed in your life. Don't allow your heart to go the wrong direction. Get your heart back to where it needs to be and be gracious in your heart towards people. It's very difficult for things to come out of our mouths that are not gracious or actions that we commit to not be gracious if we have controlled that within our hearts. Very important. Then he gets to men in verse 17. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. Again, it has a reciprocating effect. It comes back on us. We think it it doesn't affect us. We don't think that our souls are benefited by being merciful, but our souls are benefited. Or we don't think that when we're cruel, it affects our lives, but it does affect our lives. So God's word says that. And he says the wicked man does deceptive work. You know, there used to be, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have the Christian yellow pages. Remember that? And there were some people in there that they were in there, but they should, they should have had the non-Christian yellow page. Maybe that's what we already have that. Um, but I mean, they, or I don't know, but they were, it got to the point in some churches where people would go to the leaders and say, which ones are really the real deal and which ones, if you know, do you know these people, do you, you know, because people were in there that shouldn't have been in there weren't doing the right thing. They weren't, they were doing deceptive work. But it says, he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. Look at the word sure there in verse 18. Will have a sure reward. We need to sow righteousness. Again, this is all farming. It's all illustrative of farming. And we have to sow righteousness. That's what we don't realize. We think the only thing we can sow is literal seed and, or sow money or sow time or whatever. But righteousness is being sown in our lives just as much as anything else. And God says that's going to produce a crop just like anything else. It's going to have, we're going to get a sure reward. Verse 19, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are of an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Again, the issue is our hearts. And this world says it's okay to let your heart go anywhere it wants to. Whatever your desires are, it's okay, it's acceptable. Nobody can tell you that what's in your heart is wrong. God says, you're wrong. Because God defines what the righteous heart should look like. And he says that's where everything comes out of. That's what everything springs forth to or from is the heart. And he says it's an abomination to the Lord. These people that think they can do and say whatever they want, completely ungodly, 
It's an abomination to the Lord. God sees it. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, it's an abomination to the Lord. Perverse hearts, and every perverse heart, even in our own hearts, <laughs> when our hearts are wicked and all of that. It's, it's, it, he hates it. He hates all of that. He says, but the blameless in their, in their ways are his delight. Doesn't, isn't that what we want? We want our lives to represent worship. We want him to enjoy our lives and him delight in us. If we have kids, we delight in our kids. We delight in them. That doesn't even come close to the delight that God has in his children when they do the right thing. Verse 21. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished. But the prosper, prosper, not prosperity, pro, posterity, but the posterity of the righteous, say that five times, uh, will be delivered. And this 22 is just perfect visual here. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Wow. You know, I recommend reading these, through these Proverbs regularly. Some people do it every single day. They take the day of the week and they read that proverb for the day and all of that. And can you imagine, on, you know, in the, on the 22nd of the month, you're in verse 22, and you're a woman and you're not using discretion with your mouth, with your life, with your decisions, and all of that. And you read this and all you see is pig nose, pig nose, pig nose. It's just, wow, can you imagine having that as your devotions today? And you're like, my whole life represents this pig nose right now. It's not pretty. It's, it's out of place. That's the, it's unattractive. That's what it's saying. It's out of place. It doesn't belong. It's unattractive. And, and it, it's a, it's, we have men teach our children, teach our daughters, teach our sons, grandkids about discretion, what that looks like in a life. Model that before them. So much wisdom for that. I love how that word picture, that's a perfect word picture. Every time, even though I'm not a, 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 you know, a lovely woman, that's for sure, um, when I'm not using discretion, I'm going to still think of that pig's earring or nose ring or whatever. Uh, can't help it. Verse 23, the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. That's what's coming their way. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right. But it leads to, to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. It's just a principle all through Scripture, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. We have to be the kind of life that has his resources and sows that resources generously. And when we do that and we don't hold back, God will uh, bless us. But by not doing that, by not cooperating with what he wants us to do, Whatever that is, by the Holy Spirit's leading, it actually leads to lack. And we can think that, no, it's, I'm actually gaining by holding back. He's saying, no, you're not holding back. You're not gaining at all. You're losing. And they're my resources anyway. And I'm not just talking about giving within this church or whatever. I'm talking about all giving, all financial giving, all giving of our time, our resources, all of that. I mean, our, Jesus is our model. What did he hold back? He's the ultimate giver. So we have to realize it's all through God's word. Verse 26, the people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. You know, Jesus talked about the man who held back. His, he was prosperous and he built bigger barns to hold all of it. And, and, and that whole parable, he's saying, you know, your life will be required of you this very day. Like, you're so unwise to think that this is all yours and this is up for you to decide and all of that. 
it's so foolish for us. You know, we don't, we don't know that we have tomorrow. We have to use every day, every resource we have to further the great commission to expand God's kingdom, to be sowing into eternity. Jesus said, don't store up things that can be destroyed with rust and moths and all of that. Don't let that be, don't represent, your, have that represent your life. It's not bad to save and all that. I'm not saying that. But don't let it represent your life where you're not giving the things and not letting go of the things that he wants us to go. We need to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So again, he's adding to it. You don't want to trust in his riches. When you're holding back on what you know you should do by the Spirit, you're trusting in riches in part. There's other ways to demonstrate you're not trust, you're, that you're trusting in riches as well, but that's one of the ways. And he says we shouldn't be like that. But the righteous will flourish like foliage. Again, the illustration is something that's planted, growing, farming, all of that, sowing, reaping, things that are blossoming. That's the whole word picture for us. Verse 29. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. So again, he's still talking about the same thing of being generous. It's not talking about evangelism there in verse 30, it, which is it's still a thing that we can apply. Remember, one interpretation, many applications. So it's talking about embracing and help souls and being there for people and extending, you know, people that are in need, extending help. That's what we're doing tomorrow with the homeless shower and the sponsoring apartments that we do. And all these things, we're trying to help people and help souls and all of that and, and win them in the sense of having God be able to have a hold of them so he can bless their lives as only he can. Verse 31. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. So he's talking about, now there are implications, and he's talked about them that go beyond this life. But right here in verse 31, he's saying that there's, there's implications for this life. And he's saying if the righteous are going to be paid back or, or recompensed in, on the, while they're on the earth, then so will the ungodly and the sinner. And so he's saying that's the contrasted life there between the righteous and the ungodly. So I know we kind of went through a lot of verses here, but there, I wanted to stick within the theme of the righteous and the unrighteous and all those things. So much here for the Holy Spirit to use. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to continue to be righteous. We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to be wise, make the right decisions, Lord. Use these verses, all these, cha- these verses in these two chapters, Lord, to help us be the righteous in every way in our lives, to be models of obedience by your grace and by your power. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.